Welcome to The Mountain Gardener with your host, Ken Lane. Gardening can be challenging, but with Ken's tips, tricks, and local advice, you'll reap huge rewards. Now welcome your host, Ken Lane. And welcome to this week's edition of The Mountain Gardener. This is your host, Ken Lane, talking about all things in the landscapes of Arizona. Uh, especially northern Arizona, this higher elevation. And and this week, we saw why the mountains of Arizona are different than anywhere else. We went from shorts weather, put the top down on the convertible and just hardly have any layers on, t-shirts are just fine, to I can't put enough layers on, it's just cold, put the extra blanket all on, uh, let's, let's, let's uh, bake cookies and, and stay indoors today, honey, kind of weather, all within hours of each other. And that's that temperature swing. In the mountains of Arizona, you need plants that can take that type of temperature swing. It's unique. Uh, the, the desert plants don't come close. They don't understand this temperature swing, much less, I think at our house, it got down to 14 degrees. In fact, I sent out, when was that? Monday, I think Monday, Maybe it was Tuesday. Whenever that the front of that storm came through, I forget. Time's been flying by. Uh, a, a freeze alert to all of our core Waters Garden Center, you know, g- garden club. I just went, oh, this is fine. It's been so nice. People have been buying some flowers and putting some things out. Maybe they brought some of that borderline uh, uh, dicey kind of plants. And they were doing just fine. But all of a sudden, they could get zipped. And so for our house, at the Lane House... We brought the hanging baskets down, put them on the ground, and the, the heat that's been retained in the, in the ground, is that's enough, especially for a hanging basket of pansies or violas or kales. And then uh, some things that were really borderline were like Lisa and I, we like to play with cactus. We've got some zone eight plants. We're a zone seven type of landscape, but on the front patio... It's it's retained block. It's 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 lots of pavers. It's lots of 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 reflective heat, and it holds that moisture and the heat in around that area. And it's a south facing, so it gets warm quick. We can grow zone eight plants, things that normally plants we need in the yard, or they go down to ten degrees. We might see single digits every once in a while, but again, this last storm, it was fourteen at our house. That's a zone seven. Uh, well, the zone eight plants, they wouldn't like that. These are plants that can go down to 15, 20 degrees going, okay, no problem. We'll put them up next to the house. So now we've got the heat from the uh, patio reflecting up and we put it next to the house. So the house is throwing off some heat. And then we threw a sheet over them just because I had some brand new, like red yucca, a barrel cactus kind of stuff that I'm playing with to see if they, how hardy are they? And they came through like a champ. So that was the warning that went out. You need plants that can take that. What we're finding now is, even with this cold front, hopefully this will slow things down. Aphids were going crazy. Hopefully this will slow them down. The fruit trees are budding up. Hopefully this cold weather will slow them down. The moisture is very good for the forest. Uh, So this was a good event to have because it was unseasonally warm. Well, now what I'm finding is things are starting to bud fast. So you'll need plants as they leaf out, as they flower out. You'll need plants that can take wind because as soon as this cold front's done, 
it'll start to warm up slowly. And there's this prevailing southwest wind that will hit. You saw a bit of that as at the leading edge of that storm. Well, if you get a storm coming through like that and these, these ferocious winds with this new foliage, if you get a plant that's not used to it, it will leaf tear that tender new foliage. And so not all plants. This is critical for you folks coming from the Midwest, uh, some of those low-lying areas that they're cold like this, but they're not used to the wind like this. this your red leaf maples, they don't like this. Uh, they'll, they'll tear. So we try to go with our autumn blaze, matadors, celebrations, this whole series of red maples that love the wind. You need to make sure you plant the right ones. So you really want to do your homework because this week proved what kinds of plants will come through like a champ. Like I've got, uh, um, what is that? Daphne. Sweet fragrance Daphne. You folks from the Northwest know what this is. It's this beautiful evergreen perennial and it's been planted in my outdoor gardens. It's been fine. Went through that storm. I didn't cover it, didn't do anything and the buds still are about to erupt with these beautiful white flowers. It just fills that entire part of the garden up with that Daphne type of, of fragrance, even more fragrant than a lilac. Puts a rose to shame. It's, the fragrance is so sweet. It's that a cute little knee-high evergreen perennial. It's a great plant, but if planted in the right place, a little protection in the shade, it likes this cold weather. It's okay with this. What else is sort of like that? I would say in the in the summer months when that that radiant heat just comes down and it's dry and it's hot. There's some plants like your red maples, the red leafed maples, the actual, your Japanese maples. These are ones that do not like the, the heat that comes with that bit of wind in the mountains of Arizona. Yes, it says, the tag says will grow and thrive in the outdoors, but, but no, not necessarily with our higher elevation. This sun is more intense. So you find you have to place them in just the right spot. Yes, we've got Japanese maples. We've got red barked Japanese maples. They're in. They'll grow in the mountains of Arizona. They'll do just fine when you place them in a shaded area. Let's say some morning sun's fine, uh, but but you don't want them in that midday right out there in the in in a rock lawn surrounded by heat in full sun south facing. They'll live there. Tag proves it. You know, Tag says it will grow here, but it'll be the ugliest plant. You'll be so unhappy with it because it will leaf scorch the the sun and this elevation just is hard on them. You put them in a little bit of shade, a north side of your house, they thrive. So that's the kind of, of plant you want out there right now. Right now, the the planting teams, they are stacked up. They're two weeks out because all the evergreens came in. So these big Austrian pines, big Oregon green pines. You would get some beautiful, magnificent Diodore cedars. Great value, this full, fluffy, big plants, but they're big root balls. And so I was talking to the team leader of, of the planting crew here, here at Waters. I'm going, how is it? Are we seeing frost? Are we seeing, is it becoming a problem? No, no, it's fine. We pick right through it. In fact, the soil's nice and loose. We're planting just fine. So I, I think you're okay as long as you're planting the right things. So I think fruit trees, this is a great time to be putting fruit trees in the ground. And I want to go over that maybe at the bottom in the last half of the hour of this hour, 
what kinds of fruit trees we're going into detail on that, how to plant them, how to get fruit. And there's a right way to do it. And there's a wrong way to do it. We're going to show you a few things I've learned over the years that really plays out, makes it makes it's a game changer on, on what, what varieties, how many pollinators, all of that kind of stuff, what you can't grow and what you can grow, but you can put those in the ground right now. Evergreens, I would say this is ideal time to put evergreens in the ground because they have, they're budded, but they haven't elongated that new candle growth. So you really want those, the ideal perfect planting time is put those evergreens in the ground before they start pushing their new candle growth. You can do it in April, but I would say it's ideal now because you, you just have no transplant shock. You can do it in April, May, when they're elongating, but they're, they're your error factor, you don't have as much fudge factor plant. You got to be more exact. And as you get into June, you can still plant evergreens in June. In fact, junipers love it then. Arizona cypress, they love to be planted in June. But it's better to do it now. You, you, I would say you have to be an actual gardener to plant in the heat of summer. It can be done. Yeah, we're not that hot. We're not like Phoenix. But, you know, 89 degrees, that's hot for mountain folks. You folks in Williams, the White Mountains, the Flagstaff, you know, that's, that's blistering hot. Maybe not to your plants, uh, but but it's it's just changing from seventy what it was used to 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 ninety. That's a 20, 20 degree change, and so that change can mess with plants. You just have to be more exact with your with your love on that plant and that gardener's green thumb. You do it now, you can blunder your way through, and it'll be just fine because it's going to wake up, it's going to root out, it's going to get used to, it's going to slowly warm up. Uh, on our cycle that all the other plants are going on, it'll be fine. This is ideal, the perfect window. I'd say the next perfect window, October. That's as you're going into the cool, into the winter, that's your next peak windows for big evergreen plants. Got a lot in store, Lisa Waters Lane coming in, studio right after this. You've been listening to The Mountain Gardener with Ken Lane, owner of Waters Garden Center in Prescott. Join him every week for timely garden advice right for the gardens. Visit Ken where he can be found throughout the week at Waters Garden Center in Prescott. Waters Garden Companion Plants of February are Peony, Calgary Carpet Juniper, Lily of the Valley, and Pinion Pines. Pinion Pine have thick evergreen needles providing year-round beauty and summer shade. It's a local native that blend equally well in a modern or Mediterranean-style landscape. Go ahead, enjoy the buttery-rich pine nuts from your own backyard. You'll have plenty of nuts, and pine, our deer, and javelina, proof. Shop the most trees in Prescott by store or online at watersgardencenter.com. Let's talk poop. Hey, I'm Tommy at Waters Garden Center. Ken and Lisa are out right now, so I snuck in to remind you that it's time to add some manure to your garden. It's been a wet winter, and your soil is, well, pooped. Waters Barnyard Manure adds nutrients to get your garden growing. It's organic and orderless. So we really can say our poop don't stink. Buy six bags or more. They're only $5.99. Now that's a load of crap. Tommy, what's going on? Oh, poop, gotta go. Natural, safe, odorless, and organic at Waters Garden Center. You've been listening to Ken Lane, the Mountain Gardener. Green thumbs learned while working in the Family Garden Center. Now welcome back to the Mountain Gardener. And we are back with Lisa Waters Lane. She comes in the studio each week 
with your garden questions. Just uh, what are your neighbors talking about? We can learn things from that. And so we get these questions from on the floor, emails, Facebook, Twitter. Main thing is we're on the floor. We get to hear just what waves of people are asking. Right now it's, can I plant? Can I plant? Can I plant? And you go, yes, yes, yes. Yes, you can plant. I can't believe the number of trees that have sold. People are putting, there's pent up demand Mm -hmm. for trees. And they're coming in not just for onesie twosies. They're coming in, I'll buy 20. Just they're like, I've never seen anything like this. I I can't put a... Well, a lot of people have built their homes and now they're ready to put their landscape in and they've thought about it. They've planned out. A lot of people are putting fruit trees in, Yeah, you know, and they, I think they've planned out how many they can get in and what they want. So yeah, it's busy, busy. It's good to be a garden center right now <laughs> in Prescott, Arizona. That's so it's true. worked out really well. Yeah. So I, I got my second vaccine shot, yeah. a little bit of sore arm. Sore? I feel, you, is it hurt? <laughs> No, it's fine. A little bit of tired deficit, but then uh, my, my arm is sore. I don't know why these things affect my arm. It's just sore. It's like a tetanus mm-hmm. shot. If you remember that as a kid, you get one of those every 10 years or so. Kind of feels like that. But okay. other than that, maybe a little bit tired, but no, I'm fine. It's- well, maybe you're tired because you turned. Oh, don't say. <laughs> I just crossed the 50-year mark. About eight years don't ago. Don't say how many times. <laughs> Don't let them know. I want them to think I'm young and energetic and sure. sparky on the radio signals. So, I won't give your age, but yes, you had a birthday. Yeah. So happy birthday. Happy birthday to me. Whole staff kind of you made barbecue for the staff and macaroni and cheese. And mm-hmm. we had a birthday party favorite, here at the my, store. My favorite cake, German chocolate. German chocolate. And then, uh, the date before we went out to dinner. Yeah, Triple birthday. Creek Restaurant. Mm-hmm. Very good. We'd give that a whirl and see how it was. It Excellent was, service. Well done. Um, good food. It was good. Yeah, best pork tenderloin yeah, I think really I've good. ever had. That was, was really huge. good. That was too big. Yeah, it was huge. Yeah, I ate a portion Generous. of it and you ate the rest. <laughs> it was good. I, I'd go back. Yes. That's definitely. Barry with Elgato Zul. He's got the contract at the Hilton, mm-hmm. the new Hilton that's in downtown. Uh, right there at, what is that? Sheldon street and Montezuma, Montezuma. Mm-hmm. right there. So it's worked out very yeah. nice, very, very fresh, new things were spaced. You felt safe. Right. Uh, you know, it was good. It was very good. So happy birthday. Dear. Thank you, my dear. I it's feel all special. over now. Forget it. I feel special. My daughter <laughs> took me for a razor ride side by side. Yeah. We went up a Senator highway and then back down past palace station you folks who go around there that's the oldest uh, state church building in in the state it's still standing it's now a u.s uh i don't know u.s forest service uses it and then we bumped out over towards kirkland mm-hmm. came out at wilhoyt oh. that area so kind of went towards wagner road then popped out over yeah. we were in some where nobody had been before <laughs> it's, it's kind of gets you break down you kind of go i wonder if i can get out of here do i have cell service <laughs> spectacular though spectacular uh-huh. you were saying you ran across a uh, arizona cypress that was like the biggest you've ever seen yeah i think that's right off of where is that it's a mining road not a road these are these trails. are trails. Yeah. <laughs> there's really a Jeep couldn't even go down, but there was a, an Arizona Cypress forest. Of course it's Arizona Cypress. They grow here. They grow really well, but they were on this Creek wash that they were magnificent. I've seen lots of Arizona Cypress, but not right. 40 foot tall. Yeah. They were magnificent. Usually they top out like a juniper, you know, 20, 25 feet. 
These were twice that, not quite twice, but they were magnificent. Had to take a picture. Oh, maybe I'll post them on Facebook, Instagram. That's the place for pictures. Well, we should do some. Want to do some gardening? Yeah, we should do some gardening. We can do that. Or we can keep talking about me and my birthday. I don't mind that. Keep going. What do you most admire about your husband? Careful or else tell him your age. (laughs) So our first question is from Teresa, and it's probably going to take a few minutes. So we'll do that one first. So last year, her roses suffered immensely from thrip damage. And so her first question is, how does she prevent that? And the second part of the question is, she has shrub roses and tea roses. Should they be pruned differently? Yeah, good questions. Um, So thrip damage, just start with the first part, and then we'll go to pruning. Um, That's why we have rose food with systemic on it. They make a food specifically for roses because this is such a common problem, Mm -hmm. Uh, thrip and aphids. So Get your pruning done. We'll cover that in a second. And fertilize right afterwards. Sometime in the month of March, you should fertilize everything in the yard, but especially your roses. Mm -hmm. And I would say that first feeding should be the rose food with systemic because that will cut back. It's got a bug control, kind of vaccinates the roses (laughs) towards insects. And you can still have some thrip, but it won't make the leaves all curled up. It won't make the flowers get that black and looks like a, a, a... a big lighter burned them. Um, it'll take care of that. Now pruning, you should prune everything in the month of March. All your roses should be pruned in March. Okay. That's this week. Sometime mm-hmm. in the next month, get all your roses pruned. Hybrid teas, floribundas, grandifloras. Those are pruned a little bit differently than shrubs. Shrubs are mainly hedgerows. You're more hedging them like you would a futinia or euonymus or, or shaping it, shaping it more. Uh, and then they they just are so vigorous that they grow out of that. Hybrid teas, floribundas, generally those, these are things with long stem roses, specialty roses. These are things you probably ought to be more focused on taking out the old canes because to get a great big flower like that, it, it grows on a new vigorous green cane. If it's got bark all over it, focus on taking those out at least one or two. So it will encourage vibrant new growth to come up. And so you get better, fatter, larger, more fragrant flowers. If flowers come on those old stocks, they'll be smaller. It just kind of, the vigor is, is cut back on those. So that's how I'd encourage you to, to prune those. And then we, we do an hour class on nothing but pruning roses. I don't have enough time here right. to, to go into details and it's just okay. audio. So it's hard to actually explain. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's pictures for that. Okay. So look for the rose class. Yes. What you're saying. Yeah. Okay. We can do that. All right. Next question is from Jenna. She wants, she has raised beds, wants to know how far down that soil has to be turned for vegetable planting. Sure. So what the book says is, is eight inch. So that's about one shovel's depth or a rototiller depth or a disc, whatever you're, whatever you're till, turning your soil with. Uh, the English like double turning. So they like mm-hmm. to turn and then turn it again a little bit deeper. That would be important for potatoes, tomatoes, your deep rooted things. Mm-hmm. They would appreciate that long carrots. They would like that. But on general, eight inches is good. That's also why a, a raised bed should be a minimum of eight inches. Okay. I really like to go 12 to 18 inches. Yeah, so you get the deeper roots. Mm-hmm. So it, it just... On the long run, it helps you with crop rotations and that kind of stuff. But minimum, going back to her point, eight inches. Okay. All right. Well, we're just cruising along. That's good. You're that's because right I'm just so young because <laughs> I had a birthday and I'm just 
Yep. <laughs> All right. Well, David would like to know he's had a pair in the ground for three years now. He wants to know if he can start heavily pruning it at this point. And what's here again? What's the best way to go about that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is a radio show, right? Radio, audio. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I know. <laughs> um, yes, you can prune. You should prune now. And the way you start, um, and, and I would get the pruning done, but you, you prune fruit trees, all fruit trees between January and March. That's your window. Prune them back. And, and if this is your first time to prune them, you may lose some of your harvest this year. Typically, the first year after you do a heavy pruning, it affects how many pears you're going to have. Huh. But the next year after that, it just is unbelievable, the crop. So there's a cycle to it. Just be aware. It's not you. It's the way the plants are. There again, you're wanting to open up the center of fruit trees. We're trying to control disease. Mm -hmm. These are heavily sugared, heavily desired plants by not just us, but bugs, disease, leaf spot. So to have openness, let's air, air flow through air through mm -hmm. the sunlight comes in. So I always start with broken branches, discolored branches, that snow we had like a month ago, had things bend down, mm -hmm. just go for the things that are obviously damaged. Then I'll go for crossing branches, things that are growing to the inside. That's clogging up the inside. You want to open that up. So you want to have the scaffolding or this structure where it has more vase shaped so you can hold the fruit, but still let the air go through it. And that's kind of the secret to, to all fruit trees, but especially apples and pears. Those are more, you prune more diligently. Mm -hmm. The middle out of those help you with the crop. Yeah. That's it. All right. Ken and Lisa Lane, the Mountain Gardeners. You're listening to Ken Lane, a.k.a. The Mountain Gardener. Ken can be found throughout the week in Prescott at Waters Garden Center. Listen each week as he answers timely garden questions unique to mountain gardens. Some stores are meant to dash into, hunt down your purchase, and leave promptly. It's part of our 24-7 cyber world where it's difficult to decompress, slow down, and enjoy the environment. We miss the tactile experiences, fragrance, and enjoyment that come from slowing down and admiring the majesty of something as simple as a butterfly. Waters has elevated lingering to an art form with experiential pauses built into the very DNA of the garden center. We're designed purposefully for leisurely strolls through the many greenhouses that beckon guests to enjoy the plants. We work tirelessly to craft an environment that aesthetically reflects the cycle of the seasons. When you finally have a plant question, one of Waters' plant ambassadors are here to help you choose plants that will thrive in your landscape. Decompress and learn how to linger in the garden once again, here at Waters Garden Center, 1815 Iron Springs Road in Prescott. You've been listening to The Mountain Gardener with local expert Ken Lane. Join the conversation every week as he answers timely garden questions. Email Ken a question directly from your phone to his desktop through the web at watersgardencenter.com. That's waters with two T's, gardencenter.com. Now welcome back your host, Ken Lane. Oh, it's always so nice to have Lisa in the studio. We'll have her back the last half of the hour as well with her uh, um, just in unique insight to guarding that she brings to the show. It's such a value. But for now, I, I, I baited you at the beginning of the show saying fruit trees. Fruit, well, how do you do fruit trees? 
fruit trees, we probably have half an acre dedicated to just edible plants. It's trees, not just vegetables. I'm talking just grapes, brambles, blueberries, and and trees, just that. And so we we have an expertise in that. And so we're curating the varieties that are mountain hardy here. The secret with fruit trees is you need to know if they need a buddy or a pollinator. Some trees can fruit on them on their on their own. So they've got the male bud and the female bud on the same tree. So the bees can go pollinate this flower, come over here, pollinate that. And by the time they get all done, they're self-fruitful is what the name is called. Some trees only put on female flowers, no male flowers whatsoever. So you need another variety of tree to help pollinate that. So there they need a pollinator or a friend to help them do that. And it can't be the same variety of trees. We just got in some beautiful uh, red delicious and golden delicious fruit trees, honey crisps. You can't put a honey crisp and a honey crisp together and have them pollinate. It has to be something different. So the same thing can't make fruits. So there you'd have to put a red delicious and a honey crisp together. The honey crisp will make the red delicious fruit better larger, more of them, and the red delicious will do the same for the honey crisp. That's called pollination. So some trees will do that. So you need to do your homework, and this is not one for the airwaves of, of Arizona. This is one you want to break out the books or at the end of our tree racks. Let's say we've got a whole rack of apples. There's huge posters that just go, here's the chart. Uh, red delicious is so fruitful, and it helps pollinate all, all these other 10 fruit trees, all, all apple trees. I guess I should mention that too. An apple tree will not cross-pollinate a pear. A pear doesn't help a peach. A peach, it has to be same variety, apple to apple, pear to pear, plum to plum, apricot to apricot, peach to peach, all, all that. Okay, so so we got some of that stuff out of the way. Hopefully, we if, you, if I didn't cover what you want, shoot me an email or better yet, it's best to just get a walking tour We'll just take you through and show you what's really going to work. Secondly, uh, in the mountains of Arizona, you get quite a few infant trees. These are called whips. They were started by seed, which is the worst, because uh, you get no consistency with seed. You really want a grafted fruit tree. That is, we've got a hardy rootstock that deals with our clay soils that we have in the mountains. So there's certain types of roots that do better than others. So we're picking the root that we want this particular tree to grow on that will take a cutting and actually graft that honey crisp apple directly onto that hardier rootstock. That way we've got a clone of the exact fruit that we want. This is the variety that's really done well, has a bigger fruit, sweeter, juicier, grafted onto hardier roots. So this root is going to feed this exact model of fruit tree that's called a grafted root. And there's, there's some science, serious, serious science to it. So if you get that wrong, the plant will bloom out too soon. The, the rootstock isn't hardy enough, or it's used to more clay soils or more acid soils. We want more alkaline. There's some, I don't want to muddy it up too much, but basically you either want to talk to a neighbor that really knows, oh, this has really worked for me here. Here's the one you want. Or you want to talk to, to people, a nursery. You want to be up at Warner's and Flagstaff or Plant Fair and Payson or Waters here in and Prescott, you know who your mainline 
smart nursery people are, it's probably not going to be a box store. Guaranteed it's not going to be. Uh, but there's some people that know their stuff. Critical with fruits, mainly your trees. Trees, you're, you're spending you know 50 to 100 bucks on a, on a nice-looking fruit tree. You don't want a whip that was started by seed, and it's only three years old. It might look like a tree. It might smell like a tree, but it might not actually be a fruit tree. Fruit trees need to be about five to seven years old before they're old enough or mature enough to actually start setting fruit. So if you get a whip and you're just going for price point, uh, you don't know what you're going to get for three, two, three, four, five years from now. You Really, you want to buy a fruit tree that's old enough to fruit right now where you can actually see the graft or ask them, hey, are these trees grafted? They could tell you going, yep, they are. And let me show you. Here's the graft right here. And here's why we do it. And that's, I just explained all of that to you in, in two, three, four minutes of what you're looking for in your fruit trees. I think we'll have Lisa come into the studio, get, get her take on things. Then I'll spend all of the next segment, just 10 minutes dedicated to nothing but which fruit trees and then how to plant them. Does that sound like a plan? Right now, let me let me just share with you California folks, Phoenix, Scottsdale, Tucson. No, we don't grow citrus in the mountains of Arizona. Impossible. Citrus goes down to about high 20 degrees, maybe mid-20s, and then they die out. So they can they've got a, they can take a little cold, but they can't take much. So they get frosted every year they freeze out. Also, no avocado. With that, I'll leave it. Come right back with more. The Mountain Gardener. The Mountain Gardener, your source for timely garden advice right for higher elevations. Guaranteed to make a difference in your yard this season. Waters Garden Companion plants in February are Peony, Lily of the Valley, Pinion Pines, and Calgary Carpet Juniper. Calgary Carpet Juniper shows rich green mounds of juniper beauty that grows ankle high for the perfect ground cover. An ideal choice for low water, low care erosion control on natural banks or to soften that rock lawn. The perfect green nestled between boulders or to soften the top edge of a retaining wall. Shop for these juniper beauties in Prescott by store or online at watersgardencenter.com. Gardening and you don't know where to start? Waters In-Home Garden Service comes to you and identifies what you have and how to make it better. Design advice, water strategies, vegetable and flower gardens, soil and food needs, and problem solving. Always problem solving. You'll instantly be a better gardener. All for just $200 of expert time with a coupon to fill your garden dreams without ever leaving home. In-home garden consultations from Waters Garden Center. We can be at your home this week. You're listening to The Mountain Gardener with local expert, Ken Lane. Mountain gardening is very rewarding, with a few Ken's tips, tricks, and garden shortcuts sure to turn your thumbs even greener. Now welcome back to The Mountain Gardener. Hey, and welcome back to The Mountain Gardener, my favorite segment when I get to spend it with my honeydew. (laughs) It's a new nickname I just gave you on air in front of hundreds of thousands of people all of Northern Arizona. <laughs> yeah. I anyway. don't think Kennedy is going to work. Yeah, for me. probably not. Yeah. yeah. So babe, that's kind of your name for me. How about that? <laughs> How about just Lisa? There, there go. we go. So uh, Lisa comes each week and just shares her garden topics, just what people are talking about, what she sees in the garden. So things are starting to, you know, under the snow, things are growing. Oh yeah. So the ground isn't frozen. It's, 
it's going. And yeah. so we want to capture that and, and you kind of bring that to us. We should actually, before we kind of get started, so let people know kind of some bad news some things that happened. So we've had a struggle this week. So we lost Lisa's father last week. So he just fell and we lost him quickly. So just kind of like that. It didn't take much. Life is fragile. But uh, the founder of Waters Garden Center, he just... In fact, I was hoping to have him for the 60th anniversary, yeah. just interviews. <laughs> he's he's still the heart, the oh, mind, the very heart. Much. It was all there, just the body started to fade. Right. And yeah. so kind of sad news, but the obituaries went out, I think it's on Sunday of this week, it'll go out. And so just kind of uh, what's happening, our, our friends, you kind of want them to know what's going mm -hmm. on in your lives. And that's a big one. The yes. Daily Courier is kind enough to uh, have a front page thing on was that Thursday or whenever it was Wednesday. Wednesday. So appreciate that Tim and the crew, Nancy mm -hmm. over at the daily courier. We appreciate the, the community leader. They thought it was important enough yeah. to show it off. Well, he had been part of uh, Prescott for a very long time. Yeah. He moved here in the early six, late fifties. 1958 is what the, right. the, uh, what I got mm -hmm. from the family right. so before <laughs> I was even born before you were even born <laughs> little youngster. I know. So yeah, he's uh, was a huge part of this community. Loved this community, yeah, um, yeah. and loved Waters Garden Center. Yeah. And I always appreciated the fact that he would come by and check on us, even after yeah, you know, sure we did. took over. He would come by and go, "Well, you're doing this great, but have you thought about this?" And so he will be missed yeah. terribly. Missed. I had a friend of mine. He called. He said, "Ken, what I appreciate about your dad is he was really successful, and then you guys came in." And what he realized was he knew when it was time to step back mm -hmm. and let the next generation take it forward. And we have grown it. Oh, yeah. It's different than when it was when when, mm -hmm. when we bought it 20 years ago. But he's he's proud of it. So he's still proud of it. Thank you, Dad. So that just yeah. kind of works out. Anyway, that's enough of that before I go into tears. So <laughs> what a gardening. Gardening's always happy. It always makes you feel better. Gardening is so always happy. What what kind of garden stuff can we talk about? Sure. For everyone. Yeah. So we'll have to make this quick since eh, <laughs> I've always run time. out of time. I'll give you extra time. Oh, thanks. So what I thought I would talk about this week is six things you should think about uh, either before you redo your landscape or you do a fresh landscape. So okay. a lot of people still moving in, uh, working with blank canvases oh, yeah. or some people buying homes that um, nothing's been done with the landscape for 15, 20 years and it's time to yeah. redo it. Remodel. You know? yeah. yeah. If you, if you have uh, uh, railroad timbers in your yard, it's time yeah. to redo your landscape. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> if you've got tires you're gardening in that have been painted, it's really time. Yeah. So these are six things to think about. Okay. So the first one is, is I think hugely important. How do you intend to use your space? Are you a backyard gardener and you want to grow your vegetables and your fruit trees and herb gardens? Uh, if that's important to you, you need to plan for that. Or maybe you love to entertain outdoors and you have company over all the time. You like that outdoor living space. Um, you need to design for that as well. Or a lot of what happens here is people have retired. They moved into a home and they're like, man, I've sold my lawnmower. Yeah. I got rid of my pruners. I just want it easy. Those are things you really need to think about. How are you going to use that space? Um, also, be realistic about your maintenance. 
I mean, for those, there are people that come in that are dead honest. I don't want to do anything. And then there's some people that are like, you know, this is the first time I can be out in my yard and really work in my yard. They've worked all their lives and now they have some freedom and they want to enjoy that. So be realistic about what your expectations are, what you want to do. Do you want to be out there every day kind of cleaning up flowers or do you want just to look at it and go, yep, looks good to me. The other one, and this is huge for here, is know your climate. Oh, yeah. So um, be very, you know, what you grew back home, maybe you can't grow here. Or what you grew out in full sun somewhere else needs a shadier spot here. So pay attention to your yard. Where's the sun? Where's the shade? Do you get a prevailing wind? Um, a lot of us here. Chino get- Valley, Paulden, <laughs> you know who you are. Right. Because that's going to make a difference on what plants you put into your yard because you want them to look the best. So you got to pick the right ones. Um, beware of little microclimates in your yard as well on that. What's a microclimate just for microclimate folks that are new? <laughs> can be just a little tiny environment that's different from the rest of your yard. So maybe you have a huge ponderosa, but underneath that is a nice shady spot. Yeah, so those are things you, you can put shade. Or maybe it's a blistery hot spot, you know, out in front of a retaining wall. Yeah. It's nothing but heat. So those are things to know. Um, keep it interesting. Don't put 20 of one shrub in and call that landscaping because it's not. Uh, think about heights and widths and colors and does it bloom? Does it get fall color? Um, those are all things to think about. Texture. What kind of textures do you want to have in that yard? And, um, you know, landscaping is more than just rocks with a big rock in it. <laughs> so um, there's a lot you can do to soften the yard and still keep it low maintenance if that's oh, what yeah. you want. Um, but so, natives. That's what natives oh, are yeah. for. We got to, mm-hmm. we just got a truckload of them. We did. So, yeah. Some really pretty ones. Think about uh, your trees. You know, if you want, uh, if you need some shade. Or maybe you have a smaller yard and you need smaller trees. So those are things you want to think about before you go shopping. Or you can come look, but don't buy. Bring bring an iPad or a phone and take a picture. Mm -hmm. And what we look at when we see that picture, we're looking for what other plants are there. And we're looking at shadows. How much sun does it really get? Is there a big ponderosa there? Because we're trying to get companion plants that will go together in that space. Definitely. Another really good trick is walk your neighborhood. Talk to your neighbors. Talk to it's your good. neighbors and see what recommendations they have because, you know, they've already gone done a lot of the legwork there. So that's very good. And then also just be aware, um, you know, the landscape you put in today, you may be changing in five years or seven years or even less than that. I don't, how many iterations has our landscape gone through? We're on three going on four, <laughs> so we, we, but we've been there for 20 right. years. So, you right. know, it's, it's. Mm-hmm. I tell folks, you should change out 10% of your landscape every year. So every 10 years, you get new, some freshness, some vitality. Because plants do get old, and then they start to drag you down. Mm -hmm. Those junipers out by the front street that are just woody and overgrown, and they scratch even the dog as they go by, Mm -hmm. it's probably time to pull those out. So Mm -hmm. put something fresh, new in there. Either just fresh, new junipers or Cotoneaster or something else something that's, different. that's different. Yeah. Yeah. And then also just, just come tour the garden center, come look and see what's available out there and what you might want to put in. Um, our, the garden center is looking gorgeous right yeah. now. We've had tons of new trucks, things coming in that are blooming. It's just beautiful. So I, I would say too, um, th- that's one that, um, 
You just need to have some, <laughs> like that. I'm thinking that Russian sage, uh, it gets so overgrown. Yeah. So it's just weedy. Yeah. You just need a new, and there's new varieties, like new mm -hmm. dwarf varieties that are so much easier to grow, but oh, yeah. lots of new things coming in. Thank you, Lisa. That's some great advice mm -hmm. on the six things you should do before you landscape your yard. Ken and Lisa Lane and the Mountain Gardeners will be right back. Look for more tips, tricks, and garden shortcuts through Ken's website. Podcast the show, read his weekly garden column, or follow him on Facebook and Instagram at watersgardencenter.com. That's waters with two T's, gardencenter.com. Waters Garden Companion Plants of February are Calgary Carpet Juniper, Lily of the Valley, Pinion Pines, and Peony. Your grandmother would fall in love with these larger peony with so many colors to choose from. There's nothing like the enormous flowers to add stunning pops of color. Endearing springtime blooms are more than fragrant with luscious double flowers. Shop the most perennial peonies in Prescott by store or online at watersgardencenter.com. Once upon a time, Fred the Sage and Bob the Yucca watched a herd of deer eat their neighbor's garden. Hey, Bob, said Fred. It's a good thing we're native Arizona plants from Waters Garden Center. Right, Fred, said Bob. We can handle tough Prescott dirt, hot sun, low water, and we look great in the garden. You betcha, Bob, said Fred. Hummingbirds and bees love us, but that deer sure doesn't. Be like Fred and Bob. Go native at Waters Garden Center. Safe, natural, and organic. Welcome to the Mountain Gardener with Ken Lane. Gardening in the mountains is different. Listen to Ken's tips, tricks, and garden shortcuts guaranteed to make your gardens more beautiful than ever this year. Now for better advice that works locally, welcome your host, Ken Lane. All right, this has been the show for gardening for newcomers or just new to, new to gardening in the mountains of Arizona trying to up our games. We've covered our zones, how to plant. Right now I want to cover nutrients, watering, and the pH level, which is so funky here in this part of the Southwest. We have something that no one else in the country has. And so if you're just reading Fine Guard Magazine or Organics or, or Home and Home and Home Beautiful, whatever the national magazines are, or HGTV, they're going to tell you, oh, you've got acidic soil. We need to raise the pH to make it more alkaline. We never, ever want to do that. And there's two things that they tell you to do that are detrimental to your gardens here in the, in the Arizona mountain area. One, uh, add lime to your soil. Lime sweetens the soil. Have you heard this? And so it raises the pH where our water is so alkaline if you simply take the hose off your tap and water your gardens, it's going to be your gardens, your soil will be naturally high in pH. I, it'll naturally go to seven to eight pH, neutral or the perfect pH. Those of you that have had spas or, or hot tubs or, or, or pools, you're always checking your pH. Because if you get in the water and the pH is off, you'll, you'll feel like your skin's coming off your body. Or the plants, when the pH gets off, they're, the roots the bark wants to come off their roots. And so it affects in the same way. Only they can't get up out of this out of the hot tub and get away from it and go take a shower and hose down. And they have to stay there and live in this. So if the pH is really critical with plants, this the neutral is 6.5. So I'm just quoting the book. I've never seen anyone have that kind of pH 
in the mountains of Arizona because our water is typically going to be in the 7s, 8s. If you're on a well, I've seen as high as 9.3 pH. The, the pH meter goes from 1 to 10, so 9.3 is virtually, I mean, nothing will live in that. And that's the water. You need to correct that. And so if you add lime, it takes an already high pH and puts it off the charts. Here we want to add soil sulfur. Sulfur does the opposite of lime. It lowers the pH, makes it more acidic. And so every spring, when I fertilize my entire yard, I add the fertilizer and I also go through and I add a whole other layer of sulfur. So little tiny sulfur pellets. It looks like sulfur. You spread it around as water hits it, it lowers the pH. It's really a game changer to increase your fragrance. It makes your plants greener, so they're more, they're just less yellow, more green. It makes the fragrance come out. The flowers are bigger and brighter. That's what your pH does for you. That, and there are no real nutrients in your ground. This is very difficult for you folks in the Midwest. You've, gar you've gardened in Indiana or Illinois or, or anywhere in the Midwest, the South. You just have this rich topsoil that's eight feet deep. We don't have topsoil. And so there's no real organics. That topsoil is what adds or holds your nutrients. Well, you can go through for years and never fertilize if you've got great topsoil. Here, we have none. So what you'll find is you have to fertilize more regularly, more often. And please, for the love, love of gardening, stay away from miracle Grow. Please do not introduce that garbage into your yard. It will sterilize your soil. It does more damage than good. In fact, I've stopped selling it here at Waters Garden Center, at least, I no longer offer that product at our, our garden center. And that's like the number one seller of all garden products. It's easy money. You chuck it on an end cap, it just naturally walks off the shelf. I'm just not going to subject my, my gardeners that I help to that kind of detrimental gardening. It's a salt-based fertilizer, and so it raises that pH, it adds salt, it clogs up the soil. It just is not good. What you really want to go for, if you don't have a lot of nutrients naturally occurring in your, in your backyard landscape, you want to use a granular fertilizer and you want it to be slow release. Now, we go so far as, because of what our company, what, what Lisa and I stand for, we love organics. We want natural products. We've made our own granular, slow-release, organic fertilizer. It's a 744 all-purpose food. The main thing is, if you're going to go synthetic or chemical-based, make sure it says slow-release. Don't just buy a, a, a you know, ammonium sulfate or Scott's Turf Builder stuff. You're going to do that. Some of those are, are still chemical-based, but they release very quickly, like in 30, 30 days or less. It's all released. You want something that takes three months, four months, five months to break down and release. If you do that, as, as it rains, as, it, as you irrigate, it slowly breaks down and just trickles fruit nutrients through that soil much longer, you'll find you have a much, much healthier plant in the long run by, by using a granular fertilizer. I say on the holidays... You're thinking Easter, that's your spring fertilizer. The 4th of July, that's right before the rainy seasons. That's, that's your summer fertilizing. And then Halloween. Almost always the fall colors around. It's looking good. The maples are red. The aspens have turned gold. That's your cue fall fertilizer. If you're using a granular food that breaks down slowly, you'll find you have got more apples and you know what to do with more peaches. You've got the greenest evergreens. You've got roses and lilacs that just load up with flowers. 
Now, you'll have a better looking landscape by doing that. So get a good quality fertilizer. And then for my own gardens, this is my take. This is what I do. For my spring fertilizer, this one you'll probably need to take notes. Or I've got a handout here at the garden center. It's free. If, you, if you're driving right now, drive by here and we'll give you the handout on, on the four steps to proper fertilizing. In the spring, I add soil sulfur. I already told you why. And the all-purpose plant food. I'll add that usually in the month of March sometime. I'll put that out there. Just a touch early yet. Although the second you see that first forsythia bloom, the daffodils blooming, that's your cue. First bit of growth in spring, fertilize. Uh, sulfur and food. In the summer, I take the same exact food and I'll add humic acid or they call it humec is the granular name. It's, uh, it just helps stressed out plants. June is so hot the plants get, do get stressed out. No matter how much you water, they just get stressed. And then the rains come in July and everything takes a breath. But what humic does, it actually increases the, the root mass. And so if the plants were stressed or they got overwatered or underwatered or you traveled on that Panama Canal cruise and you came back and the system just collapsed on you and the plants are all stressed out, um, the humic will actually interact with the roots, encourage larger root mass and now the fertilizer can, can that the roots can take up that nutrient. In the fall, all I do is the, the fertilizer. That's it. Uh, I do recommend if you have a lot of evergreens that you, you do a New Year's fertilizing as well because evergreens here, they tend to turn yellow in the winter. Um, also, I don't recommend that schedule for your native plants. But your natives do need some care. If you're out in that, some of you bought your lot because of that beautiful, pristine pinion pine or juniper or ponderosa grove. If you've got some really nice native plants, they are stressed out. They were growing there for hundreds of years, but that was before your subdivision went in, before you cut some of the roots to put your foundations, your driveways in. The, its environment has been altered, if nothing else, by all the the, the island effect or the, the heating up of that neighborhood, all the asphalt on the roads, the shingles, heats up your neighborhood. So now it's living in a neighborhood that's now five degrees warmer than it was used to. And then the drainage has been altered. I would recommend fertilizing your native plants once. And I would use it in the spring of the year. I take that all-purpose plant food, that 744 food, and I would fertilize those plants that are natural out there, especially your, your evergreens. They really will benefit from that. If a, a healthy ponderosa pine can take on the Ips beetle or the bark beetle, the, uh, a ponderosa, a pinion pine that's out there naturally growing, it can take on the scale that shows up if you just keep it healthy. I would also recommend watering those plants, those natives, once a month in the spring, starting at least April, May, and June. I would water it once a month. Take a soaker hose, Soak it around there and just turn it on for half a day. A hydrated native can take on whatever comes its way. Uh, even though you severed some roots, something happened, it can still stay healthy and be viable. Uh, but, but left on its own, they, they're now in a different, different universe and they've got to adjust to that. You can help them easily with just fertilizing and watering periodically just, just in the spring of the season. Those are my tips on nutrients for your landscape. You're listening to local garden expert Ken Lane, the owner of Waters Garden Center. 
He can be found throughout the week at Waters Garden Center, located in Prescott, 1815 Iron Springs Road. Thanks for tuning in to The Mountain Gardener. It's almost spring. Time to grow a pear. A pear tree, that is. Late winter is ideal for planting fruit trees. At Waters Garden Center has cherry-picked the hardiest, heaviest producing trees from our most trusted growers. From apples to apricots and persimmons to pears, the garden center is plumb full of varieties that thrive in our mountain soil. And we'll even plant them for you. We believe life is a bowl of cherries, so grow the best ones ever. From Waters Garden Center in Prescott. If life is a bowl of cherries, why not make them the biggest, sweetest cherries ever? Waters Garden Center is super excited to introduce our new organic fruit and vegetable plant food. This fertilizer has the bonus of added calcium that gives fruit trees and veggies an extra boost to produce healthy, abundant crops. Feed your plants now to help them thrive and grow more fruits than ever in just $27 for a 20-pound bag. Save natural, organic, fruit and vegetable plant food only at Waters Garden Center. You've tuned in to The Mountain Gardener with local garden expert Ken Lane. Join him each week as he answers timely garden questions that are sure to make a difference in your gardens. Now welcome your host, Ken Lang. Now, this show broadcasts all over northern Arizona, and so there's different elevations. There's north, south, east, west facing. That actually has more to do with your gardening than even elevation does. So an eastern exposure is kinder. It's easier to garden in. The west exposure is also pretty kind. South, it's just hot. And north, there's still snow on the ground, plenty of it. Now, as you see snow on the ground, so to give you, uh, to help you figure out how much moisture your landscape has had, about six inches of snow equals one inch of rain. And so it looks like at our house, we had about seven, eight inches of snow. So that's a really good snow. So an inch of rain or inch of snow or inch, seven inches of snow, that's, that's going to hydrate the landscape. That's really beneficial. The beauty of, 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 of snow is that it slowly percolates into the ground so it doesn't run off. Most of it. Most of it gets into the ground, so the plants really have time to take it up. They're also actively absorbing moisture right now because the ground was thawed before it snowed. And just snow kind of insulates the ground, so it didn't freeze. The plants are still actively pushing up roots and picking up that moisture right now. And so the sap is running up and down the trees really well right now. So it's a beautiful time to fertilize. I mean, the, I, I actually fertilized my yards right before the snow. I said, I'm going to take advantage of this moisture. I'm going to put it underneath the snow so it percolates and it just takes that, that food and gets it right to the plant. So you'll get larger flower buds on your blooming plants in spring, lilacs, forsythia, your fruit trees, grapes, berries, your flowers like pansies. They'll all do better. One thing that, uh, oh, on that same um, snow thing, that snow, when you see, uh, let's say, eight inches of, of snow on, on the ground, you can visualize that's about how far down in the, in the ground that moisture will penetrate. So about an inch of rain goes down about six inches of soil. That helps you, for you folks that water by hand, this is a real good 
uh, measurement for you. And so an inch of water will penetrate about six inches of soil. So when you see that, that snow, it kind of, it equates to, yeah, it'll go down about that far into your gardens, which is where most of the roots are. Most roots on trees, even the biggest trees, they're only 18 inches deep, maybe 24, no more. So the, the roots go sideways, picking up moisture and food throughout the landscape. Even the big natives, they're going sideways because this is how our moisture works in the mountains of Arizona. It's, it's fast, it's furious, it's quick. And when it does, when there's moisture, you better be ready to pick it up right now. Don't wait. Don't let it seep down and, and, and percolate. So, okay, take advantage. If you didn't get your fertilizer on before the snow, take advantage of it now. As it melts, the ground is moist. It's just such an opportune time. Your daffodils. I've got, uh, we've, we've got some uh, nectarines, uh, red buds. We're starting to see some cracking, some color showing up on the flowers, which is kind of exciting. You know, it's going to be March next week. This is, it's spring in three weeks, so it's, it's about on time. It's about at the right track. Do not worry about, especially your flowers, pansies, kale. I've got uh, daffodils are up. It's got to be at least eight, nine, ten inches and actively growing. When it snows and it's cold like this, they just slow down. They don't get damaged. Don't worry about them. Don't try to cover them. It's not worth the energy because they don't need it. They just slow down and as soon as it melts, it comes right back like it was like it was nothing. So it just comes right back at it. So for you folks that are new to mountain gardening, don't sweat the frost, the snow, the cold. These early spring plants, they like that. Throughout the week, Lisa and I camp out here at Waters Garden Center. We love talking and helping fans of the show. Some things are just better together. March is the best time to fertilize with all-purpose plant food from Waters Garden Center. But pair the all-purpose with humic acid and it's a one-two punch of garden power. Humic acid gives your soil organic matter that helps plants' roots receive water and nutrients. So it makes fertilizer work even better. Like salt and pepper. Coffee and donuts. And hey, you and me. Ah. Thanks, Ken. All-purpose plant food and humic acid, better together and only at Waters Garden Center. If you want a more fruitful garden, increase success in your landscape that just feels better, then tune in every week to The Mountain Gardener. Years of tips, tricks, and garden shortcuts are guaranteed to make your gardens nicer than ever. Listen to this podcast or read Ken's weekly garden column by visiting watersgardencenter.com. That's waters with two T's, gardencenter.com. Thanks for tuning in.